Dr. Jonathan Clark is a head and neck surgeon from the Sydney Cancer Institute. I was surprised to learn that the leading cause of throat cancer in men in Australia is not actually tobacco or alcohol, but a virus, HPV, the human papillomavirus. Dr. Clark won't know until he receives the pathology results from Brad's cancer whether or not HPV has been a factor, but he certainly suspects that it is. This operation has traditionally been performed as an open surgery. The surgeon would have to actually cut through the middle of the patient's jawbone and literally swing it out of the way to gain sufficient access to the base of the tongue in the patient's throat. But Dr. Clark wants to try a different method, a new technique using a robot. Brad's been diagnosed with a squamous cell cancer of the tongue base. Uh, Squamous cell cancers are the most common type of cancer that we see in the throat and back of the tongue Um, and his cancer has spread from the tongue base to a single lymph node in the upper part of his neck. Uh, The majority of these cancers in 2012 are viral cancers uh, caused by the human papillomavirus and we think in Brad's case that this is one of those types of cancers. Previously, the majority of cancers in the throat and tongue base were uh, cancers induced by smoking, um, and uh, the rate of smoking in uh, countries such as Australia is actually reducing, and we're seeing a dramatic change in the prevalence of cancers in this area, um, with the majority now becoming viral cancers as opposed to cancers due to smoking. HPV, Dr Clark, is the same virus that girls are now being vaccinated for with the cervical cancer vaccine, is that right? Yeah, it's the same virus and in fact it's the same type of that virus, the type 16, uh, which causes cancers both in the cervix and cancers in the throat, in particular the tonsil region. We don't exactly know why this uh, type of cancer is increasing, Uh, There are a lot of uh, reasons that have been speculated. And it's very important to be aware of this change because the prognosis from uh, viral cancers in the throat is much better than cancers due to smoking. How common is throat cancer? How, How many people would you be looking after each year? The throat cancer is one of the most common types of cancers in the head and neck region. Um, But having said that, uh, head and neck cancers as a group are relatively uncommon in Australia if we compared it to breast cancer or colorectal cancer. In other areas of the world, such as India, cancers of the mouth and uh, in particular the cheek and tongue uh, are very common, in fact one of the most common types of cancers. But in Australia this is a relatively uncommon cancer. So in those other parts of the world, would that be due to to smoking or other lifestyle factors as opposed to what you're saying in Australia is the rise of the HPV? Certainly in areas such as uh, India and uh, Southeast Asia, uh, the majority of these cancers are either due to uh, smoking or chewing uh, special preparations uh, such as betel nut. How common is HPV? How many people would carry it? Most people are exposed to HPV. However, the majority of people, of course, don't develop cancers. It will be very interesting to see what the impact of the uh, HPV vaccine that's been introduced for girls 
uh, has on the prevalence of throat cancers uh, in the head and neck population. Obviously, at the present, boys are not being vaccinated, but we expect that with uh, the vaccination of girls, the actual rate of HPV in the population will reduce um, due to a, what's called herd immunity where if there are less people with the virus, even in uh, just one gender, it usually will reduce the rate of the virus in the other gender. It's quite likely that the vaccine will be crossed over to include males as well. The procedure for Brad, you're going to use the da Vinci machine? Traditionally, cancers in the back of the throat uh, were operated on using a very radical approach. And what I mean by radical is that we would have to cut the jawbone and swing the jawbone out to be able to get to the back of the tongue adequately to remove the cancer. Because of that, there's been a, a shift in treatment away from surgery to using radiotherapy in combination with chemotherapy for cancers of the tongue base in particular. More recently, with the introduction of robotic surgery, which has become very popular for uh, prostate cancer, um, we're able to access the back of the tongue without making any cuts on the lip or the face and get excellent visualisation of the area and be able to remove tumours that we were not previously able to do well uh, without doing a radical operation. So the advantage here of using the uh, robot is to be able to do things in what we would call a, a minimally invasive approach. And in his particular case, what the advantage of surgery would be over chemoradiation is it may be possible that he's able to uh, avoid radiotherapy altogether. Um, but more importantly, we'll get additional pathological information, which helps us to risk stratify his cancer. And what I mean by that is to determine whether his cancer has a high chance of recurrence or a medium risk of recurrence or a low risk of recurrence. In those patients who we feel has a low risk of recurrence, then we would aim to use the least aggressive form of treatment with the least amount of side effects and toxicity. So in general, if you can treat someone with one method of treatment, whether it be surgery, radiotherapy or chemotherapy, without combining the two or the three together, then we would expect the side effects of the treatment to be less. However, there are certainly people who need to have more aggressive treatment and combination treatment. Uh, our data at the moment suggests that the chances of cure if you combine radiotherapy with chemotherapy are equivalent to the combination of surgery and radiotherapy. In using the robot to get that pathological information, we can also potentially put Brad into a high-risk group. Hopefully that's not the case, but if it was, we would then be able to offer him triple modality therapy. That would be surgery followed by radiotherapy and concurrent chemotherapy at the same time as the radiotherapy. So at the moment, if he was to have radiotherapy, it would be a fairly cookie-cutter approach to that, that he would, as a standard treatment, receive radiotherapy combined with chemotherapy. What we would like to do in Brad's case is to individualise his treatment and to uh, risk stratify the most appropriate treatment approach. So truly personalised medicine? Well, I think there's still a long way to go to, to optimise that. Um, and HPV has been a very important, what we call, biomarker because of its better prognosis. 
we still really haven't determined in an individual what are the biomarkers that mean that we can de-intensify their treatment. But we've got a number of standard pathological features that we would use to determine whether someone falls into a low, intermediate or high risk group. How do you feel, Dr Clark, about heading into surgery with the Da Vinci machine, with this robot, compared to the way that previously you'd have done surgery like this? Well, we have not done very many operations this way, so there's also always a degree of trepidation when you're embarking on something that you haven't done a hundred times. But in the cases that we've done so far, we've found that the robot gives you excellent visualisation of the area, much better than using traditional approaches. And um, the arms of the robot enable us to distract and pull tissue in ways that we're not able to do with approaches using what we would call transoral laser surgery. Um, so that combination of the better visualisation and being able to move the arms in free space that we are not able to do previously means that we've got a greater degree in confidence in tackling these sorts of tumours. I know it's impossible to say until you actually get into Brad's throat and have a, a look, but what are you expecting with this surgery? So there's two components to the operation. The first part is the removal of the tumour from the back of the tongue. Um, and what we're expecting is that we're going to remove about one quarter of the base of the tongue area, extending onto the tonsil. And that operation we'd expect to take in the realm of about 40, 45 minutes. Um, we also need to do the second component, which is removal of the lymph glands from the left side of the neck. And we'll do that using the traditional approach, which does involve an incision in the neck, which we'd expect to heal very well. Um, and we need to remove the lymph glands from the upper part of the neck and a bit further down uh, and be very careful of a whole host of important structures in that area um, that are important for movement of his arm and shoulder and his speech and swallowing. Have you got kids? I've got three. Have you got Wii games and Xbox at your place? <laughs> you must be a wizard. <laughs> My, my sons beat me every single time. <laughs> Even my six-year-old can beat me on the Xbox. Okay, I won't mention that to Brad, okay? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I wouldn't mention that one. <laughs> <laughs>